previously on the one man show what are some non-negotiables in your life what are some things that you absolutely will not do because you're sticking to it and you believe in it and that's just the way you roll my non-negotiables Welcome to episode 39 of The One Man Show, The Secrets of Personal Trainers. Man, I know a lot of my listeners, which are a lot of my clients, is going to love this episode because you guys got so many questions and I got a few of them when I announced that I was thinking about doing this episode. And I know for anyone who has a personal trainer on a weekly basis, they have questions. They wonder, do we... It's almost like, do we bleed? Are we are we mortal? Are we immortal? Are we gods? Okay, maybe you guys don't think that, but you know what I mean. The secrets of personal trainers. I wanted to do this episode for a while because I thought it's an interesting, kind of an interesting topic. I mean, if I was a client, I put myself in a client's position, I'd want to know all these questions about personal trainers. And I'm going to try to answer them today. I work full-time as a personal trainer. I have my own business. I've been personal training now for over 17 years. So if I do the math correctly, I got certified back in 2006, a very long time. Before that, I was lifeguarding and teaching swim lessons. So lifeguard slash swim instructor, but became a personal trainer. And ever since then, I've loved it. This is my passion. This is what I do. But today... I'm going to give you guys the secrets of personal trainers. I'm going to risk my life and risk possibly getting uh, shunned by, you know, the, the personal training society of America and other personal trainers around the world. So first, a couple of questions that I got I wanted to go over before I go into my top 10 secrets of personal trainers. Number one, let's see where I'm at. Reading my notes right now. Number one, does boredom ever set in as a trainer? When training a client week after week, does a trainer get bored training the same client week after week? I can only tell you from my point of view that, first of all, what you need to understand is trainers get into this not for the money. They actually love what they do and they enjoy it and they want to pass it on and they want other people to learn from it. And they want them to get the same buzz that that they got when they first got into training and fitness. So I don't get bored. The only the only way I'd get bored is if the person is not into it. So that's one thing you need to know about trainers is what we don't like is there's nothing worse than an unmotivated client. And we can't force it in you. We can't make you love it. You got to kind of enjoy it for that one hour or two hours you see us every week. But I don't get bored. If I work with the older clients, that goes at a slower pace. So that can be, you know, it can be a slower pace. I don't know if bored is the word, but I don't get bored if the person's into it. And to be honest, if the person is into it and they're jacked up and they're excited, if they're into the workout and they're really motivated, I look forward to it every week. 
the motivated clients, the ones that want to be there, the ones that put in the work, I always look forward to seeing them because I know that we share a common goal and we're both there for results. So I don't get bored with it. Number two, uh, the, the other question I got, and this is kind of a long one. In the gym culture, is there a sense of competition among the trainers when it comes to progress of your clients? Uh, I was working out with a trainer at Ghost Gym. I overheard another trainer tell his peer that another trainer's client hasn't had any body composition changes for as long as they were working out together. So in other words, the other trainer talked about the other trainer's uh, progress with the client and said that the person that they're training hasn't really shown any progress, hasn't really seen any changes. I didn't give it much thought until recently. I have a friend working out with a seasoned trainer, and they have been working out for three months, and the trainer started to get frustrated with her progress, which is little to no change, no body weight, no bo uh, weight loss, and they ended, they ended up parting ways. So in other words, the seasoned trainer got frustrated, wasn't seeing any progress, and they I don't know if that trainer ended the the working relationship or was the client is probably the trainer so is that a thing do trainers feel like their credibility capabilities as a trainer are questioned among other trainers um is there competition oh for sure you're you're talking about a bunch of individuals that are really into their health and really competitive and a lot of times they're really into themselves. So the competition is definitely there because there's definitely egos. You know, you don't get into into that that level of training, that level of discipline, uh, not being motivated. You got to want it bad. So naturally, when you get into the field, there is competition. But I would say it's more in the gym environment. Like for me, I work independently. I've been doing this for years independently. I was in the gym environment and I was competitive because that's my nature. I didn't hate the other trainers. I didn't dislike them. I wasn't trying to beat them in any way. But, you know, if there was a competition for sales, for sure. I think that's just natural. You want to be the best and you want to do your best, but you don't want to you don't want to hurt anyone because I liked all my coworkers at the time. So there is competition as far as judgment of, you know, the progress of other trainers, clients. I've never had to deal with that because obviously if anyone ever said that, they do it behind closed doors or they wouldn't say it loudly in front of the other trainer. I don't think that's needed. Honestly, you can't judge a trainer based on the client. And honestly, a lot of times you can't, you know, vice versa. You can't judge the client based off, off of the trainer. You know, the body will do things when it wants to. And there's things that come to play that you have no control over. There's things that the body does. And weight loss is not always one of those biggest loser things where you can just drop weight in months or weeks. It doesn't always work out that way, the way it does on TV or in the magazines or on videos. You know, there's a lot of hard work. Again, a lot of factors here. How many times do you meet the trainer? If it's once a week, you're not going to get a lot out of it. 
The trainer can only do so much. Heck, even twice a week is tough. So, you know, if you want to see a big, big, huge difference, you either you either meet with the trainer three to four times a week or you meet with them twice minimum. And then you got to apply everything that you learn and apply all the workouts, all the intensity in the other five days of the week. That's how you're going to get results. But your diet has to be on it. Your sleep has to be on it. Your your health, blood tests, everything has to be firing on all cylinders. That's the only way it's going to work. Now, are some people gifted with certain genetics? Yes. Some people can drop weight faster than others. If you have a new client that's just getting into working out or they're maybe a little obese or overweight, their body's going to go in shock mode as soon as they start working out consistently. It's something new that their body has never experienced. So they're going to get, they might drop weight faster and a whole lot more than just a, an average person that works out regularly or someone that's more seasoned that wants to hire a trainer on top of their already their already workout routine that they've been doing for years, right? So to answer your question simply, yes, there's competition out there. No, it shouldn't be that way, but that's the nature of the job and that's the nature of the egos and personalities involved in personal training and there's a lot of them a lot of them and um let's just all get to our goals and let's just live a happy happily ever after can we and that's how i think about that one all right so i'm gonna go into the top 10 i came up with these top 10 and again this is from 17 years of personal training being into fitness uh client feedback um, personal trainer memes and videos and everything that you've seen. I wanted to narrow all this down and give you my top 10 secrets of personal trainers. All right, number one, trainers can't count. You guys really think trainers can't count. Now, this has been a funny one that's been going on for years because we always lose count, especially group instructors, right? There's two kinds. There's personal trainers, there's group instructors. They teach classes. Personal trainers work one-on-one -on -one or in a small group environment. It's not that we can't count. If you're a really good trainer, you might lose your count for sure because you're so focused on fixing the form and your client's technique and you're also answering questions. Oh yeah, and you're keeping conversation at the same time because your client might be talking about their weekend or they might be bringing up random topics, right? There's a lot of things that goes on in that one set of an exercise. So yes, we will lose count. It doesn't mean we can't count. But on the other hand, if you're so focused on counting and you're more concerned with the watch or the, uh, the stopwatch more than you are in watching a client's form or engaging with them, then maybe you're not doing your job. If you're not keeping up with the counting and you do lose count once in a while because you're focused on all these other things, I think that makes you a pretty good trainer. That's number one. Number two, we read people for a living. We, we can tell when you're about to stop. We can tell when you still got more in the tank, you still got more repetitions you can do, or when you're about to quit. We read people for a living. So whatever excuses, whatever lies, whatever things you're thinking of coming up with, 
we might be a few steps ahead of you already and we can see it coming from a mile away. I can even tell when a client is about to quit as far as stop our sessions altogether and just totally quit personal training altogether because I'll start seeing cancellations. I'll start seeing uh, I'm more sick often and you know, being sick is okay. It happens. But I think after a while when there's a pattern of the same excuse, like you got to change up the excuses, you know what I mean? But if I, if there's a pattern of the same excuses, um, after a while you realize that this person might just be trying to get out of the workout. But when I start seeing more cancellations and I start seeing, you know, no effort to reschedule, or I start seeing them coming to, coming to the sessions late, I start seeing patterns. I kind of already know they're one step out the door and on a handful of times, I've actually been right. Not saying that they don't come back later, but they're pretty much on their way out the door. We can see uh, facial expressions. Can you really not do five more push-ups, or can you do 10 more? We can see it from a mile away, and that's what we do for a living. We read people. Number three, and this is a bad one. This is a little secret. I don't think a lot of trainers are going to want me sharing it, but I'm being honest with you guys. When a trainer puts a client on a machine to warm up on their own, you sign up for a personal training session or with a personal trainer in the gym. This usually happens in the gym setting. And the trainer greets you and says, hey, just jump on the treadmill for five to 10 minutes or jump on the Stairmaster for five to 10 minutes. Um, and your session time has already started. That is not right. When they do this to you, I'm going to get in so much trouble. I already know already. When they do this, a lot of times it means that they're trying to finish up their lunch in the back or they're trying to finish up conversation. They're trying to finish up something that's going on behind the juice bar or going on in the break room. Or they're not prepared. They're trying to grab all their stuff and they're trying to get the workout together and they're trying to you know, um, set up the machines and everything. For me, what I've learned as I've aged, as I've gotten later in this career, because the young version of me was not perfect at all. And I'm telling you all this stuff because I've learned a lot and I've matured over time. That hour session, if you're scheduled for 2 o'clock, from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock, which is a typical one-hour session, the trainer needs to be with you. They need to have, you need to have their undivided attention from start to finish. Now, if they have to go and set up the next exercise, fine. No problem with that. But if you're five to 10 minutes on your own warming up, uh, I don't know. That's five to 10 minutes that you just wasted out of an hour session that you're paying for. So that trainer needs to be with you. And there's a lot of things that they can do to guide you through the warm up. Even though you're just walking on the treadmill, that's their time that they can take to ask you how you're doing, how your day was. You could have had a hectic day. You could have. You could have had a family member died that day, and they wouldn't know. They would just throw you on the treadmill. And after the treadmill, they would have put you through that hard workout that they had planned because they didn't take the time to ask you how your day was, what's going on, how's your body feeling. See, the warm-up period is where you find out what's going on with the client. How is their body feeling? That's These, these are all the things that you find out in the warm-up period. So there's nothing wrong with going on the treadmill to warm up or maybe even the Stairmaster because some clients need to zone out. They need to get into that right state of mind to train. 
because they might be coming from a crazy, hectic day and they need to kind of cool down and simmer a little bit. So they don't always have to go into the range of motion exercises or, you know, the dynamic warm ups and, and the typical things that trainers do. But you got to be there to guide them. So your trainer has to be there. And if they cannot, or they, it has to be a good reason. They have to tell you, oh, I'll be back in a couple minutes. You know, maybe they got to use the bathroom and all, but still, like, you should try to get all that done out of, out of the way before your session starts. You should get everything ready. Now, I can sympathize for those trainers who have back-to-back clients, and that's scheduling conflict. You need to get better at that. You know, if you have a, a 12 to 1 and a 1 to 2, and now it's your turn at 2 o'clock, and you like you, you haven't been able to use the bathroom or whatnot, I, I get it. I understand that. But still, you need to schedule on your end as a trainer. You need to schedule that extra 10 minutes of you know break time or 15 minutes of break time to shove something in your mouth because that's the life of a gym trainer, to shove food in your mouth in between sessions because you're jam-packed four, five, six sessions a day or you got to teach a class. So they need to be with you the whole time. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and it's all preparation, all preparation. Uh, number five, non-paying duties. Trainers get paid for the hour that they're training you. What clients don't realize is we don't get paid for drive time, driving to and from the client. So if you want to factor in the price, you're right. You're trying to do the math and you're like, okay, how come I, how am I paying so much? Like, why am I even paying this much? You got to fact, there's a few things that you got to factor in from a trainer's perspective. Okay. There's travel time. So for me, every day, I travel about about one to two hours a day, sometimes more, depending on where I'm going. My longest traveling client, I spend about an hour. Yeah, about an hour traveling time. If there's traffic, hour 15. That's not paid time. That's just getting to and from the client. That's for convenience. That's part of the service. That's for them. That's so that they can get it in. That makes it easier on their day. My line is always, I'm here to make your life easier. It's a working relationship. We work together. You know, if I have to cancel or they have to cancel, we work together to understand each other and reschedule and be flexible as possible because we got to get through week after week, session after session. Now, if you're in a gym, forget travel time. There's no traveling time. They're ready for you. The creating of the the creating the workout itself. So on a, on average, I spend about five to ten minutes or more creating a client's workout, and this is putting down the exercises and figuring out what they did last time and going around any injuries. And if if I'm more in the creative mood, for sure I can do it like five to ten. If I'm not feeling that creative or I'm trying to my my brain just isn't there. It'll take me 15 to 20 minutes. Again, if we're adding up time here and you're trying to know where your dollar is going to, you know, that's already like an hour, 15, hour, 20 uh, of non-paid time that I don't get paid for. Research. So if a client has a certain injury or, or ailment, we have to do our research. We have to Google or look through magazines if they still do that. Or read articles on a certain injury and what's the protocol. 
And that can take time as well. The next one, more for those trainers who work in a gym environment. So they have to pay overhead, much like a restaurant would, much like any place of business would. They have to pay rent. And rent for a trainer in a gym environment, in a private facility, typically runs 800 a month and up. That's on average what an independent trainer would pay to train a client using a gym or someone else's facility. That's a lot of money. I don't know about you, but 800 to 1000 a month is a lot of money, no matter how you shake it, no matter how you look at it. So that's another thing to factor in. And along with equipment and things that we have to buy, certifications, uh, going to uh, conferences, you know, recertify. I have to recertify every three years. So we have to buy courses. We have to take courses. So there's a lot of things. So when you guys look at hourly rate, first of all, do your research first. Google what is the hourly rate for the state that you're in for personal trainers or overall in general. And then start looking around and compare the prices to other gyms and other trainers in your area. And you'd be surprised to to know that, you know, your trainer's price might not be that bad. And it might actually be a lot more affordable than other trainers, what other trainers would charge you. Uh, So, yeah, that is number five. Number six, I'm going to go a little bit faster here. Group instructors. This is for the group instructors. When they stop to cue or talk, it's because they're trying to catch their breath. This is a funny one. So if you guys, if you guys following a DVD or workout at home and the trainer's leading you through the workout and they're doing the workout and then they stop and they're like, all right, so make sure you're tightening this. Make sure and they're giving you your, their cues. They're legit giving you their cues, but they're also taking some time to breathe. That is straight up trainer 101 right there. You have to. You cannot instruct a class. You cannot instruct a course or lead something if you're totally out of breath and no one understands you. So that right there is a pro tip. You have to, if you're teaching a class and you're doing the workout with the students, you got to stop once in a while and you got to cue. You got to take some time to correct form and you got to walk around or you're going to be totally out of breath. Now, they're straight up gangster group instructors that I've I've worked with in the past that will not stop and they will talk and they will stay up on stage and they will go the whole hour. And those guys, I tip my hat to them. They're, they are the greatest. But a lot of times you can't understand what they're saying. They're so out of breath or they don't give that personal touch, right? They don't, they don't take the time to, to correct form. They don't take the time to engage with the audience, which is very important in a class environment. So those guys are rock stars. Nothing wrong with them. But when you take a break here and there, I've done it many times, you got to catch your breath. You got to catch your breath or no one's going to understand you. Number seven, this is another bad one. This is another secret. I might get hung for this one. When trainers make up workouts on the fly, as a part of being a trainer, you have to create a workout. These are the basics. You create a workout ahead of time for your client for that one hour session. You plan everything out, what machines you're going to use, what exercises, and then you go into the session. You have that all set up ahead of time. There are times, and again, I've been guilty of this in the past as well. There are times where a trainer doesn't make the time to create a workout. So as a client, you might not notice this because they do really well at it, but you'll be in a gym environment 
and you'll be going from one exercise to the next and they won't be really looking at anything. So it'll almost be unscripted. And they're not looking at a tablet, they're not looking at their phone, there's there's no clipboard or anything. And you don't need a clipboard, you don't you know need a paper, but you need some kind of notes, you need something to know what you're gonna do next. You can make up a class on the fly, sure. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have a client that goes through five to seven or more exercises, or they have injuries, or they have things that you have to be aware of, then for sure you need to write it down and you need to come out with a plan. If a trainer is winging it and they're doing something like, uh, let's go on this one. Uh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's go on this one. If they're saying things like that, they could be making it up on the fly. That is something that trainers are guilty of, is making up things on the fly. It's a lack of planning. That's all it is. You just have to plan ahead. Oh, for sure, I'm going to have to change careers after that one. Number eight, we don't get into it for the money. I already mentioned this earlier. Trainers get into it for the love. And we really, it, it might seem like we make a lot, but we really don't. The hourly is great. Don't get me wrong. The hourly is great. But do we work eight-hour shifts? No. In the gym environment, they get less, more than 50% of that supposedly hourly rate for a trainer. What a trainer is supposed to make is cut in half drastically. They get paid way less, and the gym takes a cut. So we don't get into it for the money. We get into it for the love. And if we can make a career off of this, if you're one of the few lucky ones, and trust me, not everyone is lucky. Not everyone, and it's not luck, really. You work hard. You know, for for the first decade or more, I didn't profit. I'll be honest with you guys. I was bad at business. I was horrible. I was. I had a, always had a full-time job. I always had something on the side I had to do. I could not make it. So not every trainer makes it. And to give you an example, all the trainers that I started off with 17 years ago, uh, there's only about one, one or two that's left out of all of them that's that are still in the field with me today. Everyone else went into other fields, other jobs, other careers, and I don't blame them. It's a tough job. It's a tough gig, and you got to love it. And the reason why you got to love it is because you're not going to profit in the beginning. You might not, and you're going to work your butt off, and you might not see any turnout, any profit. You're going to be begging for clients but that's like that with almost every field. You have to work your butt off. And you if you're consistent and you can stick it out for the long run, yeah, you can make it for sure. But don't expect to be rich when you first come into this field. In fact, don't expect to be, really get profit or anything at all for years to come. Unless you got a beautiful body and you can, you're great on camera and you're great on social media. Yeah, for sure. You could probably make it in a year or two. But if you're an average guy like me, that all he has is his skills and um, his knowledge of fitness, it's going to take a long time. So we don't get into it for the money. Number nine, the hardest part about the job. The hardest part about this job is scheduling, hands down, scheduling. You got to expect cancellations. You got to expect people rescheduling. You got to expect people calling in sick, taking trips. There's so many things that goes on in a week. I can't tell you how tough this is. 
scheduling, I always tell clients, scheduling is the hardest part of my job. If I could give it to someone and have a receptionist to do it for me, for sure I would. But I feel like I would lose that touch, that that face-to-face or that that um, you know one-on-one, um, that rapport that I have with clients in in scheduling and rescheduling. You know, it's part of the process that relationship. I would lose that relationship. And number two, no one can do it except me. I know my schedule better than anyone, so that's why I do my scheduling. But if I'm not training, I'm like intercepting text messages and phone calls and emails. It's not an easy life. So you can put that one up there with the non-paying duties is being a part-time receptionist and scheduling. Scheduling is tough, tough. And I don't like to go on trips either because when I go on trips, the longer I go on a trip, the more I got to reschedule. So I try to keep my trips like five to seven days at the most. But sometimes I might be gone longer, but I try my best not to travel too much. Because it's just more work when I come back. This is a 24-7 gig, guys. This is 365 days of the year. That's what I signed up for. I made my bed and I'm sleeping in it. So that's just, that comes with the territory. There's nothing to grumble about or complain. That's what I that's what I do. Uh, number 10, last one. We only date our kind. Wow, we went through like scheduling and, and training. And now we just ended up with this. I wanted to end it on a lighter note because I, I remember having girlfriends in the past and they're like, well, you would be happier if you just dated someone that that were just like you, huh? If you just dated someone, <laughs> another personal trainer that loved fitness and loved training and did everything you did. And I'll be honest with you. Do we only date our kind? No. No girlfriends I've had in the past were trainers. None. Were they fitness enthusiasts? Not really at all. I'll be honest with you. They didn't have jobs that in that was involved in fitness. Nothing like that. They were the complete opposite. If anything, they had office jobs. We don't do only date our kind. And this is how I explained it to a past girlfriend. Imagine if you worked at the same job with the same person and you came home to the same person. What are your conversations like? I mean, you're talking about kind of the same things because you come from the same working environment. Like, I don't know. You could see it both ways. One, you could see it as, well, we both love the same thing. We can both talk about it. We both have different, you know, different things to say about it. Or you could see it as, that's kind of boring. Like, I, I always thought of it as if I dated someone from a different occupation they can tell me different things about their life and I can tell them different things about my job and it just makes it a lot more interesting versus just talking about fitness. I mean, how much can you talk about fitness? Like I've joked in the past, you know, when a girlfriend has told me, oh, uh, let's let's go for a hike after work. And I'm like, look, I don't tell you after your job, oh, let's go file more papers. I don't tell you that. So the last thing I want to see at the end of the day is a pair of dumbbells, okay? I might go work out on my own, which is like more working out time, more more time around exercise and fitness. But the last thing I want to do is go hike or, or do something active. I don't mind doing it, but not after like a long day, maybe on the weekend. But I think it just makes it more interesting if we uh, we have different 
kind of different things that we're into and not share the same occupation or work environment? I don't know. That's just me. Have couples made it in the past that have both been personal trainers or both been accountants or both been doctors? For sure. Yeah. But that's just my personal take on it is I don't think we always date our own kind. I've never. That's just my take on it. And that's the top 10 secrets of personal trainers. I went long on this one. Sorry about that. I'm passionate and I love what I do. And the topics that I love, warning ahead of time, I will always go longer on these episodes. But I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys didn't get bored. There's so much here. So much here to to digest. And my clients, to my clients out there, man, you learned a lot today. And you will never look at me the same again. So you're welcome. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you guys on the next episode. I've talked way too much.